0: On September 11th, 2001, our American way of life was attacked. Everyone remembers where they were that day and how their lives changed from that moment on. The American Legion is committed to honoring the memories of those we lost on 9-11 and in the global war on terrorism that followed. As part of that commitment, the American Legion Tango Alpha Lima podcast presents a special series, 9-11-20-2020. 20 episodes in the 20 days leading up to the 20th anniversary of the attacks that changed the world each of the 20 guests delivers a unique firsthand perspective on 9-11 and our nation's response here is one of those remarkable stories all right folks welcome back here to the tango alpha Lima podcast today we're continuing on with our are 20 episodes in 20 days leading up to the 20th anniversary of 9-11 uh, 20 stories to help us reflect and remember and here's one of those remarkable stories Uh, We're joined today by Josh Blyle, who had graduated from Purdue University and was working in corporate America when the events of September 11, 2001 changed his life forever. Something clicked inside him, and two years later, Josh followed in his father's footsteps and enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps. In 2004, at 27 years old, Josh was off to boot camp, and by 2006, he was deployed to Fallujah. While in Iraq, a bomb exploded under the vehicle Josh was riding in, and everything changed again. Josh, I'm not going to uh, go too f- much further into this, but tell us about what uh, 9-11 inspired you to, to join. Obviously, uh, as we were talking about uh, earlier, it's not customary to go through basic training at 26 years old. So that's fairly interesting. And can you tell us you know, what happened once you got to Iraq?
1: Yes, absolutely. So on that day of 9-11, I was driving into work and just you know stuck in traffic around Indianapolis. I received a phone call from a friend asking if I was listening to the news And I said, no, not at all. She's like, you need to turn on the radio. So I turned on the radio, started listening to the events of 9-11 unfold, you know, got to work like most of us, had a television in front of us and watched that horrific day just take place. Uh, It was one of those moments where I knew things would change. We were worried about our community members. We went home and and gathered and trying to get my sisters home. One was in D.C., the other one was overseas. Um, But then something inside of me was just telling me, hey, I'm a big kid. I would played sports all through college. And my father had served in the Marine Corps as a fighter pilot. My grandfather had served in Northern Africa. So it was one of those moments I thought, if, if not me, somebody else is gonna take those, that place. And I'm an able body, I believe in serving this country. So as we talked about at 26, I made that decision and was shipped off to boot camp at age 27, uh, considered an old man at that time. Uh, but graduated, became an infantry grunt, uh, trained, and then in 2006 was sent to the city of Fallujah, Iraq. To locate, you know, high value targets and try to help save some people over there and do what Marines do.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but uh, October 15th of 2006, we were traveling in Humvees chasing down vehicles when we drove over an uh, improvised explosive device that detonated underneath my side of the vehicle. I was instantly knocked out, um, but woke up five days later and launched Germany. Thankfully for me, my fellow Marines and the other two vehicles that I'd served with for years uh, rescued me, pulled me out, got me to Camp Fallujah. But the worst part of the knowledge was knowing that I'd lost two of my Marines. So my roommate was killed next to me and my Sergeant was killed in front of me. They explained the extent of my injuries, which included several broken bones, a broken nose, jaw, uh, but I lost both of my legs above the knee. Um, Classified with post-traumatic stress disorder, severe traumatic brain injury, and that started a two year process at Walter Reed to start my rehabilitation. So I mean how long were you in Landstuhl first of all? Was it just a brief stop there? Or- I was in Landstuhl for about 6 days to stabilize me. I was in a medically induced coma at that time. Yeah. Uh, so really because of how much blood I lost they were just stabilizing me until I could be transported back here to the US. So when you woke up back
0: here at Bethesda, I assume? Correct. Yeah, would, tell us about that experience. Like how, how quickly were you able to process what it, what was going on or did you know or?
1: Uh, even looking back at those memories, I was in and out of it. So I had certain things where I'd wake up. Um, I still have the pictures that were next to me of my family because I didn't recognize even my own mother and father at that time. Uh, so my memories were just fading in and out. And as for the injuries, I knew the last thing I'd been was in Iraq. I was a Marine. I was in the top shape I'd ever been. So it took me a long time to process where I was now, the state of my body was in, and what, honestly, the next rest of my life was even going to begin to look like. Yeah.
0: And and for those who might think you recognize, Josh, if, if you've been to, I don't know how many years ago it was now, four or five years ago, you spoke at the National Executive Committee do you remember what? I don't remember exactly when that was. Uh,
1: I don't know the exact date, but you're right. It was about five years ago. I and
0: yeah. It was As I told you before, that was one of the, one of the better speeches I've ever heard. So I was very excited when we had you on, but tell everybody what you're doing now
1: just as sort of a lead in. Absolutely. So I, I do public speaking. So I travel just like I did back then. I was the Colts uh, Indianapolis Colts community spokesperson for seven years uh, and went out across the country on their behalf. And now I, I do it on my behalf, but also they, keeping great contact with me. Dean, who I met through them, still sponsors me. So I get to go out and tell my story, but it's really the veteran story. It's our stories, um, you know, of the millions of men and women that have served, given time and lives and the families in this country that support us.
3: Yeah.
1: All right, Jeff, you get first shot today. Go.
3: I get shot too, because I was going to ask about the poet speaking, so I'm pivoting oh, sorry as we about speak. That. Um, uh, so it's we, this whole series is about uh, telling the stories of, of those that were whose lives were impacted by 9/11 and making sure that we don't forget and that the, the stories come out. And I seeing here in your your bio, it's uh, it says like uh, Josh Blyle is now a walking talking symbol of hope using his story to motivate and inspire others. And like you, can't help but have be a constant storyteller to anybody who meets you um and what what is it how did you use that in in terms of being around uh those football players i could imagine that that's uh your story is pretty inspiring to them if 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 they have like a a hyper extended ankle or something and they're worried about when they're going to get back and all of that sort of thing and you could really put some, some real perspective on that. And then I'm just curious, what is your general message when you're retelling the story and when you're doing motivational uh, speaking or in things like that?
1: Absolutely, because I have two prosthetic legs, I tend to stick out quite a bit, Um, you know, especially just even around town, but even in the Colts complex, I was easily, they could spot me, they knew who I was because, you know, when you see a guy at work with missing two legs and you see him again, it's probably the same guy. Yeah. Uh, so I got to know those guys and they were always so supportive, but I never wanted anyone, and even when I go out and speak, to feel like they can't complain, that they don't have problems because mine's worse. I never want someone to say, well, at least I'm not that bad. What I want people to take away is that I looked at my situation and thought it can only get better. Things can be better no matter what I'm going to go through. It's the same with everybody. Those football players that are going through you know, injuries and, and on the mend, I still want them to see that there's positiveness in what they can achieve now, uh, what this will strengthen them later on in life. Um, and everyone I meet from young kids that are always interested, as they call them the robot legs, I want them to ask questions because I want them to know, not me you know, personally, but there's men and women that will sacrifice to allow us to have this country, that will allow us to go out. So I don't want them, you know, with this message of 9-11 coming, we don't want to forget. Um, so it is a constant reminder to the people around me, but it's also a constant reminder of me, who people come up to me to say thank you, uh, to encourage me, that we live in a pretty good world with positive people. And if we just continue to do that for people, you know, we won't forget uh, and we'll help people that are still struggling, whether it be from 9-11 and how that affected them or our, our veteran family members, our veterans, um, how it affects them, that we support them with love, that they can get to the next step as well with positivity instead of just worrying about, hey, this is what I'm going through and that's okay to deal with, but how can I make it better?
3: Right, and that's, I was kind of, this is kind of the, the line of thought that I was going on, not that they would uh, compare themselves to you or anything, but just the example of whatever you're going through, you can get through it and, and come out positively on the other side. Uh, that has to be inspiring for everyone. And then finally, my follow-up is: I love that you said it's a veteran story. And then I recall you giving um, recognition to your other Marines. Simplified, by the way, who helped you uh, who helped get you out of that situation. And are you still in contact with those guys? Uh, do you know who they were, even? Or yes, uh, I do,
1: and we're still in contact. Uh, you know, from. One of the guys that carried me was, we called him Moose, but Luke Caldwell. Um, and actually, my unit in September is having a reunion. Um, so we're all getting ready to see each other again, but we stay in contact. And I think that's one of the biggest things. When people come up to me and say, hey, I have a brother, I have a sister, a mom that's struggling, uh, they've been out and say, I say to them, do they still contact with their people? Because that's such therapy to, to talk with the guys and gals that have been through your situation. Um, because sometimes we hold it in and we don't want to talk about it, but when we get together, we let it out We talk about the memories. And as much as we don't like to, you know, admit it's, it's therapy for us. Um, one of the, my biggest things that I've been thankful to go out and speak and tell our story is that it's therapy to get it out, to tell other people. Um, but it's one of those that I definitely keep in contact with those guys. and I'm, I'm thankful every day that they, they put their lives the line to get
3: me home. All right. And then I'm going to, uh. I'm going to pass the baton over to miss Ashley.
2: Right. Well, Josh, thanks so much for, for being on. I, I definitely feel like post-traumatic growth is something that us as veterans, we have to talk about because, you know, you know, there is no final, like we can continue to push forward. It's a part of our values, even though I'm an army gal. And I know y'all do and Jeff are bonding over this, you know, Marine <laughs> thing, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I kid, I kid, I just know that, you know, Jeff can take it. So I really found your once one step at a time. So for all of our listeners out there, um, one step at a time is, and I'll read the title here. One step at a time, a young man or a young Marine story of courage, uh, hope and a new life in the NFL. So it, this book is following your journey, your enlistment, um, how you've ultimately, you know, landed your job and your, you know doing all of these things and you really hit on, you know, just that one bad day, discovering that life begins when you embrace those bad days and moving forward. And I think that's such a powerful message for our listeners. So that one step at a time, I I feel as a, like my mantra has always been, I can, I will watch me as, as a service member and also being a, a woman as a service member and a predominantly male field. Right. So, you know, with this book, how did, how did this kind of come to fruition? And, um, you know, just, just tell me more about your book. Just tell me more about it
1: Absolutely. <laughs> when I, the very first week I started at the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Tom Zupanzik, who was the strength and conditioning and then the senior vice president of marketing and now works for Dean, told me, he said, hey, he always, he saw the biggest goals for everyone he was around. He still does. And he told me the first week I worked there, he said, one day you're going to write a book. And I kind of laughed and joked, I said, Tom, I think I've read like four books in my life. I don't think I'm gonna write a book. Um, But he pressed me to write my thoughts down, to journal every day, whether it's about the Marine Corps, my now time or my childhood. And then one day he said, it's time. And as apprehensive as I was, I wanted to get our story out. Uh, So I said, I agreed to do it. Um, But I really talked about, even during my time when I was injured, I thought from the very first day, you know, being a big, tough Marine, that I would learn to walk in a couple of weeks. I'd get my prosthetics. I'd be back on the move within two or three months. And then I, what I quickly realized that it was never in my time frame. Um, and sometimes just taking that one step at a time, that one day at a time and saying, today, I'm going to do everything I can. And tomorrow I'll do the same and the next day. And when I get my goals, then I'll hit them. As long as I keep moving forward that one step, then eventually I'll get there. And so I just try to tell people, stay positive. We're going to have setbacks. We're going to have those days that don't go as well as others, but eventually we'll just continue on uh, and, and we'll reach our goals.
2: Absolutely. I, I really see it as like the gamut of all things and also relatable for, for non-veteran folks. Right. Because I feel, you know, as you know, we have endured a very specific type of, of trauma or uh, events in our lives and some of those can also be transferable to folks who may not, well, let me start over. Those folks would then be able to say, Hey, wow, that is inspirational. I can do this. Like I can fight, say, for example, anxiety, depression, the loss of a loved one, or, you know, I, I really see that there's this, this bigger picture here with the one step at a time and really motivating, and inspiring people from all walks of life. So just want to congratulate you on that. I think that's incredibly impressive. Um, and kudos.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. It, does, it doesn't It does just stick with the military people. Everyone faces struggles, and, and as I, I've said before, we all have bombs that go off in our life, um, things that will change our world that we may not see coming, but it's usually how we deal with those that will impact the people around us later on, uh, and it's also the support that we've been given. I was given support by other Marines to save my life, uh, but still to this day, I have good family members, my kids, and just people surround me that get me through to the
2: Absolutely. I could not agree more.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback a little bit
0: on what Ashley said. One of the things that always cracks me up is the difference in the audience between when you talk to veterans who have gone through similar type things and when you address civilians. And I'm assuming in your life, you've, you've done both. You probably do corporate type speaking, but I, I remember specifically I went to the Grand Canyon with a bunch of Marines and there was one Marine who had a prosthetic leg and he was humping just like everybody else. And one of the guides just looked up in horror and he's like, dude, you have blood just pouring out of your, where the, he's like, oh yeah, where the prostate, it rubs her and sometimes it bleeds. And this guy was like, dude, you're bleeding. Like in the guy was just like, yeah, this is what happened. So it always kind of cracks me up when things that are in the, in the military sphere, the veteran sphere kind of, you like, like, yeah, stuff happens like that. But I'm curious how you gear your, your speaking towards, an audience who might understand kind of where you're coming from versus one who might be a more corporate mentality where they might not necessarily have experienced that or come from the same sort of understanding that that's just the way we
1: are. Yeah, absolutely. Because there is, I speak to, you know, the whole gamut of audiences from third graders to corporate events to military. And, you know, when it's military, I think they understand and get our humor a little bit more. I use humor and everything, but they understand that some of the things we did, the chaos, uh, we embraced. Um, so I can lean into that a lot more, uh, lean into the humor, the, you know, when we are bloody, cause we've all been bloody and sweaty and, and overtired and hungry and all that, they get that more. And then when I go into the corporate events, I tell those stories, but at a much higher level, mm-hmm. uh, and don't go into the details, but I tie it into, you know, just everyday life. Even now I still get stressed cause I have two kids and you know, bills to pay and emails to answer. There's things that correlate back and forth, but definitely when those veterans, they understand there's a little bit higher connection between the two of us, you know, the room that we've been through that a lot of people haven't. Not saying that other people haven't been through tougher stuff, Um, but at the same time, we just have a bond. And so you can joke a little bit more. You can, you know, make the the acronyms and everything else, which mostly the acronyms, I can't remember what any of them mean anymore. Uh, Other than that, Uh, I think it's just a bond we'll always have, but it's usually after I get done talking is when military men and women will come up to me and share a little bit more personal of their own experiences. And I think they needed that. And I think sometimes I'm there not to talk, but to listen to them. Yeah.
0: And I, and I do, I do love your point. But like if someone told me, yeah, you have to go to therapy and sit around with 20 guys and talk about your feelings, I would panic and run away immediately. (laughs) But right. if someone was like, we've got 20 guys and we're going to go sit around a fire, Do you want to come and join us? It's exactly the same thing, but I, it comes out differently. So I'm curious, you know, how much when you speak, I'm assuming it's sort of a two-way thing when you get to meet with veterans.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's a great way to look at it because we just process things different. I think we see things different and also think that because as military men and women, we've been kind of branded as tough. Uh, we, we internalize a lot of things because we don't want to show weakness and we don't. But what we truly do when're around each other is that we all know that we've, we've shed tears and laughed and, and, and hug you know our brothers and sisters like no other. Uh, we have that emotion inside of us. We just tend to only share it with each other, um, which isn't a horrible thing, but I think when the world sees that, they need to see how compassionate military people are as well. Uh, because it's what gives us and the strength and courage is that bond with each other. Know that that man and your woman to your left and your right, you would die for in a heartbeat. Um, and that's what makes us special. Yeah. And just kind of in closing, I mean, tell
0: us your life changed obviously on nine 11, but as you reflect back on the last 20 years, like what's the, what's the major thing that you think about? Like how do you want to remember the guys you served with and how do you want to be remembered say, 20 years down
1: the line. Yeah, you know, that day, those images are still ingrained in my head from 9-11, that day. But it was also, I think, watching the first responders go in unselfishly uh, to help save others. And it was just, that is what really changed my mind to say, I want to do that too. I want to put my, you know, mark on this world. And as my grandfather, who's passed away, but served in the Army, always said a quote that said, At this day's end, may the world be a better place because we have lived. And I just want it to be better because I don't want my name to be remembered, but I just want it to be better for my kids and the next generation. But to know that men that I served with, they paid the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, And that's why every day when I wake up, I'm going to live it to the fullest. So I remember not only 9-11, but our veterans who've given everything to give us this ability to wake up here and, and to chase our dreams.
0: So if people want to get in touch with you and they want to buy your book, where can we uh, where can we look for you?
1: Uh, my name, Josh is my website and they can get all the information off of that.
0: Perfect. Josh, we really appreciate you uh, joining us here. It's uh, always great to get different perspectives on 9-11. And uh, I, I wish we had longer so I could talk about being a 27 year old at basic because that <laughs> I'm sure there is some definitely some good stories out of that one. Everybody else, we will have another episode tomorrow. Remember to subscribe to Tango Alpha Lima on Alpha Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts while you're there, review and rate us. If you want to send us feedback, you can comment on YouTube or Facebook or you can send us an email at Tango Alpha Lima. Josh, thank you very much for joining me. I would wish uh, your Colts luck, but, of course, I will will not do that disingenuously. Uh, Ashley, Jeff, uh, uh, great seeing you guys, as usual, and I'll see everybody else later. Again, Josh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank
3: you all. Take care.